Let us pause for a word of prayer. Eternal God, your mercies are new and fresh every morning. Each day you give us new insights into your love and new inspiration as to how we might serve you. As we turn to your word this day, reveal yourself to us that we may grow in faith and love. We pray these things in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And I invite Brian to come forward and to read the scripture lessons for this morning. Our first reading will be from the New Testament, Philippians 2, verses 1 to 13. In there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Our second reading is from the Old Testament, Psalm 78, selected verses, and it will be responsive. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from a bowl. Things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our other children. We will tell to the coming generation. The glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. In the sight of their ancestors, he worked marvels in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it, and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud, and all night long with a fiery light. He split rocks open in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Our final reading is from the Old Testament, Exodus 17, verses 1 to 7. 
From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place, place Massa and Meribah. But the Israel, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The title of this morning's sermon is A Long Way Yet to Go. Having lived all across this vast country, there have been many summer car trips in our household. As Colleen and I have loaded the kids into the car and we have set off on the family vacation. From Saskatchewan to Prince Edward Island, from New Brunswick to Winnipeg, from Winnipeg to Vancouver and back, we have logged many kilometers driving on our summer vacations. And as much as we have enjoyed seeing the landscape and the adventures of the travel, and as much as we have enjoyed the time spent with our families at either end of those journeys, there are certain aspects of these trips that remain the same. One of those aspects is the fact that after being away from home for several weeks, living in other people's homes, even if it is your parents, after driving long and hours and many days, the trip home was never quite as enjoyable as the trip to the destination. The last day or two on the road, it was just time to get home. Such is the experience, such an experience, pardon me, is just a hint of what the children of God experience during their trek through the wilderness that Brian has read for us today. What is that one thing that we all know about the story from Exodus? It is that it took the children of God a long time to reach their destination. Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness. Surely, the people must have begun to wonder if they were ever going to get there. And like any family car trip, we see all of those questions arise from the back seat, as it were. Time and again for you and I, the questions are probably, are we there yet? What are we going to eat? For Moses, 
they were a little bit more dire. Have you brought us out into the wilderness to die? Where is the food that we need to survive? Where is the water that will sustain our lives? Difficult questions for difficult times. And these questions keep coming up again and again. It may have struck you as Brian started reading that maybe Brian was reading the wrong reading, that that was what we read last week. Because the reading from last week and the reading for this week sound very, very similar. The children of God turn to Moses and they say, are you trying to kill us? Where is the food? That was last week. Where is the water? This week. They want to know how their lives are going to be sustained through all of this. Sometimes it is tempting for us to judge the children of God in Exodus. We hear these complaints that they bring to Moses and we say, haven't they learned anything yet about God? Haven't they learned to be faithful? Haven't they come to realize that God is going to provide for them everything that they need on this journey? It's easy for us to pass judgment as we read these episodes, as they keep repeating in the book of Exodus. But the reality is that as we arrive at this morning's reading and the question of the children of God again, the reality is they had a long way yet to go. Reading on this passage this week, one commentator put it quite well, I think. He noted that increasingly the children of God were a people who were struck, were stuck, pardon me, between promise and fulfillment. As we journey with Israel in the Exodus story, we wrestle with all of those questions that, that Exodus spawns. What does being blessed look like? Is God still with us? And does God hear our pleas? The freedom that seemed like such a blessing in the context of the harsh oppression and slavery of Egypt loses its luster in the wilderness when the people must care for themselves. The promise of new land doesn't seem so filled with excitement when you have no bed in which to lay your head Tonight, wilderness, he noted, is not just a place for where the children of God find themselves. Wilderness is a state of mind, a state of mind in which uncertainty crowds out blessing. And every day there seems to be such a long way to go. Reading this text carefully this past week in preparation for this morning, there was one thing that struck me about this text in the story of the people and their search for water. Despite all of their pleading and despite Moses' frustration at their demands, despite the fact that the people seem to be constantly putting God to the test, the one thing that this story does not say when we get to the end of it, 
is that God gave water. You might expect at some point in the story that it would say, and the water gushed out from the rock, or, and the people drank the water and they were satisfied. It is not there. We hear in the story that the people expressed their need to, jo- to Moses. We hear that Moses took their complaint to the Lord, and we hear God give to Moses the instruction to strike the rock with the staff that God had provided for him. And we hear God's promise that God will go with the people and God will be before Moses as he strikes the rock. And the episode ends with these words. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. It says that Moses lived up to his part of the bargain, but it does not say, and the water came. It does not say that God caused the water to flow. The story is almost left open-ended. Almost. Because I think we all know that God gave water to the people. But how? How do we know this to be true? We know this because we move through this story with the people. And we learn in the stories from the book of Exodus that God is going to be faithful to his people regardless of what circumstance they find themselves in, that the people can trust in God because God will provide all of their needs. Even if the people are faithless, God is faithful. Even if the people have a wilderness state of mind, God is there fulfilling God's promises to them. This story from the book of Exodus and the many others like it are important for us to hear because far too often, like Israel, we too suffer from a wilderness state of mind. We too sense that we still have a long way yet to go and we wonder whether God is going to be with us or not. Far too often, we become busy and distracted. Far too often, life doesn't quite go as we planned it out. Far too often, our lives don't live up to our expectations and our hopes. Far too often and far too easily, we lose sight of God and in our blindness, we wonder if God has abandoned us. And like this episode from Exodus, in which the water Well, it's not actually seen, but is still known to be there. Often our faith rests upon the unfailing faithfulness of our God. A faithfulness that we only experience in the present because we have seen it in the past. A faithfulness that we only experience through the living out of our duties. As, Christian, as church members and Christians. 
It is as we gather and weekly worship and engage in the reading and the study of Scripture that we learn how God has been faithful. And we learn to look for God to be attentive in our, in, to the spiritual in our lives so that we do not adapt that wilderness state of mind in our own lives. It is as the... Um, as the uh, reading from the psalm this morning noted, we, we will continue to tell the stories to those around us, to tell the stories to our children so that they may know the faithfulness of our God. A number of years ago, I was heard a lecture by Marva Dawn at the Worship Symposium in Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now, Marva Don is one of those authors who occupies a good deal of space in my library. There's, well, maybe not a whole bookshelf of her, but uh, there are uh, numerous volumes of books written by Marva Don. And in speaking about how to sustain our faith through life, she noted that there is nothing more important than this one simple act. What do you think it would be to sustain our faith? What one thing do you think we need to do? Marva Don says the one thing you need to do is say grace at meals. She noted that, that the blessing that we say when we sit down at our meals means that we are never further away from God than three or four hours. Every three or four hours, each and every day, we remind ourselves of God's presence in our lives and God's provision for us, that we have what we need to sustain us because God watches over and cares for us. Mealtime grace is our inoculation against a wilderness state of mind. Gathering and worship, daily devotions, mealtime grace, each have their role and each define a pattern of life for people of faith and have done so through the centuries. They are no less important for us today than they were for our ancestors way back when. Because each of these practices assures us that God continues to be with us. That each meal, each morning, each week in worship, we are con- convinced once more that God goes with us in the journey of life and that God answers our cries. The reality of the story for the book of Exodus, we all know. Israel was in the wilderness. For a very long time. For the women of the congregation, there's a joke there, right? If it had been Miriam guiding the people instead of Moses, Miriam would have looked at the map and they would have got there in a week. I can, you can repeat that with the Magi too, by the way. Um, but that's the, but the reality is, it took Israel a long time to make their way from Egypt to promised land, from promise to fulfillment. 
and in between me struggled with wilderness. The questions that each of us face, face about the presence of God in our lives. Each of us, like them, has a long way yet to go as we live each day of our lives filled with all of its joys and triumphs and all of its sorrows and grief. But as we do so, taking each step, we, we know that this one thing is true. That regardless of how long the journey, God goes before us. And God is sufficient to answer each of our petitions. And for that, we give thanks to God. Amen.